This presentation is from UX Australia 2020, day one. Okay, we will hand over to our next presentation and the last presentation for today. Um, so joining us now, we have Harold and we believe Hello, Harold. Oh, hi. And Kevin. And are we are we expecting Jess able to join us as well? Yeah, I think she was she was having a little bit of trouble with the IT gods today. So okay, uh, she is Did here. Come. Um, hopefully, Let's she can see. hear there us. There we go. Okay. So we're going to finish uh, today with uh, a case study and a look at um, a piece of work that was um, across a, a number of different organisations uh, from Harold and uh, Kevin and, and Jess, and I'll let them introduce their various roles in all of this. Thank you all for joining us, and I will hand over to you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Steve. Um, just want to check one thing before we start off. Uh, Jess, can you perhaps hear us? Can you see us? We, we can't see you. All right. So I guess like uh, a very big thank you to Steve for holding this wonderful event and um, a massive special thank you to Annabelle for kind of putting it all together. Um, and of course, a very big thank you to you, the lovely audience for being here today. Um, feel free to leave questions as we go. We do have a lot to cover though. So I suppose if we do have time, we'll answer them towards the end. Uh, if not, we'll still be able to answer them um, perhaps like by typing in an answer after the session's ended. Um, so, okay, so I guess no more ado shall be furthered. Have you ever wondered how you might co-design for a whole industry? Um, today you have myself, uh, my co-presenters, Kevin and Jess, who's dropped off, but hopefully she'll come back. Um, and we'll be drawing upon our recent experience on our project together as designer, um, client and client's client to leave you with our top five tips for co-designing for a whole industry. Um, but first, a little intro to ourselves, I suppose. Um, so my name is Harold. I'm a senior designer at Mel Studios, where we play in the space of service design, uh, human-centered design, uh, organizational design, and systems design to an extent um, across a wide range of industries, including government across all different levels, um, education, health, museums, uh, galleries. So it, it's all, all really fun. Um, so we also have Kevin, and I'll let him introduce himself. Hello, I'm Kevin Yee. I'm Senior Policy Officer from the New South Wales Government. I engaged Harold and his team at Mail Studios um, co-design co a pro model for the home building industry to better sell and market energy efficient homes. And Jess from Thrive Homes, who joined us shortly, um, is uh, one of the industry partners in this project. Yeah. Um, normally, I think Jess would give her introduction, but I don't know if she's ready to do so. If not, I'll just give a brief summary for her. Nope. Hello, Jess, can you hear us? Zoom to Jess. Earth to Jess. No, it's all right. I guess for now, so, so Jess is the marketing manager at Thrive Homes. Um, she, uh, I guess Thrive Homes is, I guess, a, a very progressive um, a home builder. Um, especially in terms of energy efficiency. Um, and um, if, if she jumps on, I'll let her speak a little bit more about that. But she was certainly an integral participant in our project. 
Mm -hmm. um, so just to give you a bit more kind of um, background, I'll be shortly showing you a video. Um, and it, I think it's also quite um, important to note that we also had Nova Franklin um, with us on our project. She was a massive brain and guided <laughs> us through this whole thing. Um, she's my colleague and a principal designer at Mel, at Mel Studios, mm -hmm. um, and she's in the audience today. So I guess before we get into our tips, uh, it's quite essential to give you some kind of background on the project that we worked on together, uh, because we're, go we're going to be using it as the context to speak about our experiences, our learnings, and therefore our tips. Um, so I'm going to sc uh, screen share a video here. Hopefully the tech guards will be with me on this one. Um, Hopefully we can see this. And this is a little video to give you a bit more context. Australian homes produce around 13% of our greenhouse gas emissions. If our population continues to grow at its current rate to an estimated 41 million people by 2050, we will need to construct as many as 197,000 homes per year. Influencing the new home market, therefore, represents a significant opportunity to positively impact and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The Collaborative Sustainable Housing Initiative of the New South Wales Government is taking a three-pronged approach to reducing greenhouse gas emissions in new homes. It's funding a mass marketing and education strategy which includes producing a reality TV show where contestants compete to create the best energy efficient home introducing standards and guidelines that builders must follow and it is supporting builders to better sell and market new energy efficient homes. Melt Studios was invited to co-design services and tools for this last strategy. So um, in a nutshell, um, what's the, just a summarize of the, uh, some, uh, summary of the video. The problem we are facing um, is, is that the builders in particular is that they have trouble selling and marketing energy efficient homes. And the aim of this project, we are designing a, an industry model to solve this problem. So how does the model look like? Um, the model is actually deliverable. It consists of a whole range of tools and materials to help the home building industry. The tools and materials include marketing guidelines, templates for the collaterals, and a sales, a sales conversation training pack. So these are the three kind of documents as shown in my background there. And how do we come up with a model then? Well, there's actually a three-step process um, involved in that um, going through a cycle. Uh, we started small by testing with three builders and their home builders. Uh, we created a model uh, based on the, what we hear from the builders and the home buyers and then test again with three more builders. Each time we add on more things, we're changing things and scaling it up. Finally, we come up with a kind of a prototype of the three of, of, this, of the model and then we presented the model to interest, interested builders in a workshop. It's a, get, it's a get together for all the interested builders where we share our findings. Um, I'm going to show you some images um, throughout this process um, in my background there. This one is actually uh, one of the, um, I would say, how we test the model with builders and home buyers using hand-drawn images on paper. It's a quick to form, quick, quick to come up, and um, it's easy for us to actually revise as well. And uh, thanks to the great artistic skills of Harold, we can you know, put this down in a very nice way very quickly. And this is another image where we actually test those uh, uh, models with uh, uh, home buyers um, um, taking part in this project. 
And um, lastly, this is the an, uh, a photo we taken during the workshop where we got all the interested builders together and to present the, the model to them. Um, and just kind of a nutshell, a summary as to the, the process we went through and the, um, the deliverables that we got. Back to Harold. Thanks, Kevin. Um, so I guess now that you've got an idea of the context behind what we're going to be talking about today, um, let's take a look at our top five tips for co-designing for industry change. So um, I guess our, our first one here is tip one, to engage stakeholders across the whole industry and system. So what do we mean by that? Um, I guess to, the first thing is to identify the main players across the industry and to ensure you have representation across it. So it's kind of like a classic research brief. Um, I guess in any given industry, there's certain certain levels, I suppose. Um, and in our case, it was the government, um, their customers, the builders, and their builders' customers, uh, the home buyers. And so in each of these levels, you also have different types. So Jess, who's from Thrive, is perhaps a more progressive, the smaller it's nimble, and it's very much more affordable. Um, and then we also purposely picked um, Movac, which is more premium. It's a long-time player in the industry. Um, and then you also have Phrases, um, which is, is established overseas, but a relative kind of new kid on, new kid on the block here. Um, and they're also quite well known for their interesting work in sustainability. Um, one central park, that beautiful lush green building opposite UTS is also by them. Um, yeah. And then also, I guess, in between like, uh, like each of these levels, there's, there's different roles too. So um, for like Jess's company, let's say in Thrive, there's different marketing, sales, sustainability, uh, leaders, operations, um, and types of customers as well. So for the home buyers, you know, getting a spread across different uh, needs and behaviors, as well as the classic things like demographics. So the first tip here is certainly around um, getting to know who's who in the zoo and getting a representation across each of those. Um, so that kind of brings us to our second tip here, which is around starting small um, and then scaling and then scaling, I guess, from there. So now that you've identified the main players, I suppose, where do you start? You start small and then scale. When it comes to changing the whole industry, I suppose, it's, it can be quite um, tempting for some people to try and change the whole thing from the get-go. Um, and we knew we couldn't solve the entire industry right away. So we had to start specific. Um, so we started with a few builders here and there, created something that was quite tangible, like um, the hand-drawn brochures that you saw earlier, um, a role-played uh, role conversation, sales conversation, tested those things, learned from those things, and then tested them again, adapted them again to another builder. And then notice how things started to shift when testing with builder to builder. Uh, and when you do that, I guess, a number of times, you, you can begin to kind of abstract up and you have the oversight of what ingredients are relevant to everybody. Like you're joining the dots and you can kind of keep the goal that works. Um, and so this, I think, was quite crucial to the success of our project. Um, so I'll throw to Jess and just um, ask one for a bit of an introduction if you can, but also um, I'll ask you later to touch upon like um, what this starts small and, and then scale kind of meant to you as well. So Jess? Hi, can everybody hear me? Hooray! Yes, we can. 
<laughs> Great. Um, thank you so much, guys. Thanks for letting me be part of this. I'm obviously the marketing manager for Thrive Home, so I'm really excited to come and share a bit of my experience on this project. Um, for us, it was really great that we got to be part of this incredible project. Um, Energy efficiency is obviously part of our product portfolio, but being able to test and learn from not only our current customers, but also our new inquiries, so our leads that were coming in were, was crucial. Obviously, from starting small and scaling up, I mean, that's kind of a mindset piece as well. We, we found it really valuable learning, adapting it to an offer that we currently have in market and then seeing what responses came from that, which was quite a lot. We actually got a really high volume of sales out of it. Then from there, it was about, okay, how do we take it to that next step? Another thing to really note, I mean, it's really, it's really interesting to see that, you know, when you start with one builder, how each builder in the industry kind of copies each other. So from an industry perspective, you can always start with one um, and then you'll see that domino effect across the industry. So, yeah. And I would like to add to um, Jess on her comments about scaling up. And actually, we started off the government, um, um, started off this project with the intention of scaling up beyond Thrive and other initial builders taking part. Um, I mentioned in my summary of the video that we produce an industry model as a prototype. And moving forward from the work, um, the prototypes are actually being piloted, evaluated and refined um, after this project in the first half of this year. Although oh, COVID presents certain challenges as to, you know, um, to, to, to progress. Uh, the prototypes are, are actually further developed into various formats, um, meaning that uh, it can range from being targeted as sales staff within a, a home builder or as a group from different builders. Um, alternatively, it's also developed into in this uh, delivery format, ranging from face to face to a webinar as we are doing now. So uh, I think it is that the scaling, you know, starting up with a prototype and then scaling both, you know, in terms of the, the breadth, the coverage and also the depth as well. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Um, right. And so that kind of brings us off into tip number three. So learn the culture of the industry, lose your ego and adapt accordingly. I think like as designers, you'll know that for something to succeed, it truly has to fit the people and the context that it's used in. Um, in this project, we certainly spoke to six different builder companies and by the end, we certainly got an, an immersed appreciation for their way of doing things. Um, I think the best example was when we went into one of our testing sessions uh, thinking we were going to deliver something that was quite akin to a report. Um, the funny thing is we ended up having that report literally thrown back across the table in our faces. And I guess besides being a very humbling experience um, and a very kind of uncomfortably awkward one at that, um, we, we came to appreciate that for many of these builders, it was something that was more practical and to the point that was what they actually really valued. Um, they're not going to go through and read something page to page to page, you know, cut to the chase, nothing fluffy. So instead of that, um, because we had learned and appreciated their um, culture, we evolved that report into something much more akin to uh, um, an industry model that we could deliver um, in a forum that was much more experiential and much more in interactive in that sense. Um, Jess, I, I remember you were saying that the government really tried to understand your culture, but like the building culture, how, how important was that? 
Yeah, I mean, we really loved the way that the government approached um, trying to educate and inspire change. I mean, previously, you can see that from the government's perspective, they kind of always did things from a very educational, information-heavy perspective, but they kind of looked themselves in the mirror and said, okay, wait a minute, how can we actually connect with people? Um, and to do that, we need to look at ways, new ways of doing things. And, you know, like Kevin was kind of, um, you know, communicating before that they're also doing a popular culture kind of method where they're looking at, you know, the block, which is has over 4 million views in, you know, one TV episode. So you can see how the government's kind of looking at new ways of connecting with people. And to do that, also going down into, you know, the the detail of actually asking firsthand you know, what do people care about? What do people want? Um, yeah, we, we understand people want energy efficiency, but what are people actually willing to pay for it, if at all? So I think that was a really interesting way of just losing your ego, losing what may have worked or, you know, you think should work, um, and really just starting from scratch and really opening your eyes and your ears to the market and, and how people are responding. Um, so that's what I really loved about that. And obviously I also touched on the, the industry culture of, of building is very much where, you know, people pretty much mirror each other. So people take on the successes of other, you know, other industry leaders. So, you know, I've developed campaigns and within a couple of weeks later it's, it's out in market reiterated in a different way but it's pretty much the same thing by another competitor so it's quite interesting to kind of know about the culture of of the building industry yeah that's really good i think that's actually a really good kind of segue into our, our fourth tip here which is tap into those trusted players and the thought leaders in the industry and i think thrive where justice from is definitely one of those thought leaders and no wonder so many of um the, her peer companies um are copying her so I think just think about those scenarios where if if bodies or, or companies which have the respect of a whole industry say something, you might be more likely to believe it. So, for example, the Apples, the Samsungs, the Microsofts of the world uptake a new technology, you may have more confidence in that technology. So the same thing kind of applies here when it comes when it came to kind of delivering this project. We drew upon the command of the government. Um, and also the industry bodies such as the Housing Industry Association, HIA, to endorse and give weight uh, to the importance of this work. Um, and when it came to picking the builders that we chose to test with, um, that decision was quite purposeful too, wasn't it, um, Kevin? Yes, and, and that is why we chose to work with uh, Jess's team at uh, Thrive Homes, um, because Thrive Homes and the other builders taking part in the project are those players who are actually thinking far and beyond what the government's regulation requires. So by the government engaging them is to demonstrate to the rest of the industry that actually they can market homes with energy efficient features. And then following what Jess mentioned, you know, the others, you know, players in the market will follow if they want to remain competitive. Exactly that. All right. Um, and so let's have a look at our last tip here. So tip five, um, consider sprints, quickly build, test, fail, and iterate. So this last one here shouldn't be of any surprise to many of the designers listening out there, but I think certainly bears mentioning. Uh, as touched upon earlier, our process was a constant cycle of testing, building, and iterating at different scales, um, as we were saying. 
So I think we conducted three one-week sprints um, with different builders producing new materials and new conversations each time. Um, we just simply didn't have a time or the budget to do it in a non-sprinty way, especially when we're doing with so many organizations. Um, so I think in such a short amount of time, we, we certainly learned a lot and it really forced us to focus on the minimum viable, like something that made your design better. We had to really kind of distill it down. Um, so Kevin, knowing a lot of the audiences, um, the audience are designers, what would you like to kind of tell them about being brought on a sprint or a design process? Well, as a non-designer myself, I initially found it is uh, a lot of uncertainty as to what the design process would look like and uh, how the outcome would be. Uh, and I subsequently learned that this concern of me was actually entirely normal. And throughout the process, the way actually I, I address the concern is to is learning how to actually develop, iterate and test prototypes quickly um, after collating the views from the, the, the target participants. Um, the process takes longer, of course, but the product is more likely to work. I mean, the alternative, as the government always do, is um, going into product development straight away. Uh, but it would not have been as targeted and as successful if we have not gone through this process um, of doing so. Yeah, great. Um, and Jess, I think I, I know you really love this whole process as well. Like, why, why was that the case? Yeah, I mean, we, we absolutely loved the ability to go in there and actually hear firsthand about what customers as well as um, leads were saying about some of our creative, um, you know, some of our messaging. Um, it's really valuable information to hear firsthand. Sometimes you go to market with so many different things and, you, you know, you get a sense and assumption about how well it is based on whatever metrics that you do have. But hearing opinions and, um, you know, straight from the customer's mouth or the lead's mouth was really valuable and it really helped shape some of the things that we then did in the future. Yeah, thanks, Jess. Um, so I guess in summary, um, our uh, top five tips. Um, so, you know, so one, engage stakeholders across the whole industry and system. Uh, two, start small and, and then scale up from there. Uh, three, learn the culture of the industry, lose your ego and adapt accordingly. Uh, tip four, tap into the trusted players and thought leaders in the industry. And tip five, consider sprints, quickly build, test, fail, and iterate. Um, so that brings us to the end. So a, a really big thank you um, for kind of listening to our talk. Um, we really hope that you can see the, the role design can have in, in industry change and ultimately how so many of us as designers and certainly humans have the skills to bring people to work on things together. Um, what we've done, I mean, what we've just gone through was a brief taster of what we went through on our project. Um, so if I, I don't know if we have time for questions, but um, feel, feel free to contact us here on our emails um, or on our profiles um, on the US Australia website. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Harold, Kevin, and Jess. Thanks for having us. Uh, Thank pleasure. you. Thank you so much. Um, I'll, I'll ask one quick question, uh, if I can, before we uh, send you off. Um, and it comes from Ellie. They ask, how did you consider the end user, the homeowner, in your design? Um, considering builders are often not willing to build houses that are efficient because the margins are too small and they don't want to entertain new or untested ideas. 
Um, yep, I might just answer that. So no, one of the one of the biggest things that we learnt is when people buy a house, they're buying the cake. Um, so the cake basically consists of the sponge, which is you know they want it to be comfortable, they want it to be healthy, they want it to be warm in winter, they want it to be cool in summer. They want something that is durable, that um, fits their design needs or their specifications that are required to have, you know, a big family, etc. Then the icing on top of that is, okay, what can I show off to my friends and family? You know, when I have, you know, my neighbours over for dinner, what's those little things that I can show off? And the cherry at the top is the energy efficiency piece. So, you know, how can I improve um, the obviously the cost savings, um, electricity bills that are less. How can I be better for the environment? How can I leave a smaller imprint for you know my kids, my kids, kids, etc. So from there we had to go, kind of go. Okay, right now we we want to incentivize purchase. To do that, we can't just tell people, hey, we're going to give a discount off this energy saving pack. For this time, what we said is, okay, what we're going to give you is a really affordable home. We're going to provide you that extra incentive. We're going to give you um, an energy efficient pack. But did you also know that a house itself is energy efficient? So some of our houses have a seven star rating. So from there, it enabled people to have the entire cake. You know, we didn't just go to market with just the cherry. We didn't just go to market with just the icing. We went with the whole package. That's great. Thank you so much. And thank you all for that presentation.